0: The Lottie Moon Christmas offering is for foreign missions, and we are going to collect that throughout the rest of the month. It's in the foyer. There are some envelopes out there, uh, but if you have some time this week, I highly I highly encourage you, not suggest, I, I encourage you uh, to look at the the things that these missionaries are doing because of our church's giving to support them, and when when you give to foreign missions, the, the Lottie Moon Christmas offering uh, reach, reaches people that you may or may not have studied about. See, the Lottie Moon Christmas offering doesn't go to people um, that are usually well-known. These are, these are people groups that are unreached, unchurched, never hearing, never have heard the name of Jesus. We're given a very strict guideline today we're going to be in uh, Matthew chapter 28 and then we're going to be in Romans chapter 10 uh, if you want to begin to turn there but um, as far as when Jesus talks about giving you know there's times in scripture that he's pretty sensitive okay it's it's easier to read when, when Jesus talks about giving, especially when he talks about giving in Matthew chapter 28 and he's talking to his disciples, there's no playing around. He's calling he's calling these guys to live and to give on levels that you and I would be completely uncomfortable with. Giving above our expectations of what we expected of. Giving, giving until, this is something that Americans don't feel often, giving... When you can feel it, giving sacrificially, not giving out of abundance, but giving out of I can come to the aid of I can do this, I can do this. And some people said, have told me, man, I can't believe that you're spending eight to ten weeks at your church and the only thing that you're talking about is giving. Aren't your people tired of hearing about putting money in the offering? Truth of the matter is I touched that one time. There's so many things that you can give besides money, but let me, show, let me show you this. Because you give, people are impacted on other ends of the earth. Now, Mary and I uh, have sponsored a, a young man named uh, Joshua Kofi Asiyama. He's from Ghana, and uh, Mary and I have sponsored him for the last nine years, and he is getting ready to graduate out of the compassion program. So we went to, uh, some of you saw on Facebook, we went on a a date night and took her out for her birthday, and we got to go to a concert. And at the concert, these people were partnering with Compassion, like some of them do. And when Joshua was getting ready to graduate out, Mary and I talked, he said, hey, let's what do you think about getting another one and continue to do this? I said absolutely. Uh, our girls are old enough that they can write back and forth now. Uh, we had to, excuse me, we had to make sure that we got a, a, a little girl for my girls because you know, they didn 't want a boy, they didn't want a brother they want a sister so uh, so, as we told our girls last night uh, you 'd be happy to know that I wish I had it on video, but we told the girls that we were going to sponsor uh, uh, Muya is her name m u a y i Good luck, I had the same problem. <laughs> uh, but we told the girls that we were going to sponsor, and instantly Lydia grabs the paper and goes, "I am now the middle child." Okay, so you ha- you have to live in our world sometimes. Okay, uh, Lydia. But the thing is, whenever we talk to our girls about this, and, and uh, they said, "If you sponsor a kid through Compassion or or Samaritan's Purse or whatever, you understand." The things that you can see and the things that you we, we give financially so that this not only not only Joshua, but his whole entire family, uh, his brothers and sisters got to go to school. We literally paid for some of their, their water and their medical bills, and it cost less than a cup of coffee a day. I'm not going to sit here and plug for compassion, but I'm saying that there are opportunities for us to give to these other sides of the world missions. And Lottie Moon is one of those. Lottie Moon has changed lives. Uh, I, want, I wanted to share this with you. At the concert, we heard a story about compassion. And there's a, young, there's a young boy, and he lived in Africa, and he was a compassion child. And he was on the priority list, which means he, was, he, he had been on the list, and he needed it for over seven months. And he was finally gotten as a compassion. Uh, he, had a, he had a compassion sponsor. And they began to give the money, the $30 or whatever it is a month, to support this young man. And he began to grow, and he was in a compassion school, and he was being taught by missionaries, and he was being taught how to do uh, you know, functional life learning stuff. And he was also learning the gospel, Bible, how to apply it to his life, how to live. Uh, this young man graduated out of Compassion International 18 years old, worked very, 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 very hard, and was accepted into the Moody Bible Institute. In America. And he came to America. And he began to study. And he graduated with honors from the Moody Bible Institute. And would you know it that right now he's currently working on his doctorate. and As part of his doctorate and his thesis and his, and his final project. He is going back to Africa where he lived. And he is teaching church planning pastors. And he is, he is planning churches and they are doing all these things. Would you like to know how old the girl was that sponsored this young man? Fourteen. See, when we give offerings, see, we, we, are, we live in one of the wealthiest countries in the world. We have so much stuff. And because we, we, we give to our church, because we give to missions, because we give to different things. Listen, can I show you, can I, can I just tell you, be honest with you real quick? If you donate, if you give money, if you tithe to connection, yesterday, you made a difference right here. We're able to take those community-loving activities, and those are budgeted items in our budget, okay? And we take different amounts of money different times of the year. And yesterday, I stood in front of Walmart with the big elf himself, Santa Claus, and we had three great big trash bags full of toys, and we had some extra money to go in and buy uh, They ribs and turkey, and they bought potatoes, and we had rolls, and we, we, we fixed eight different meals, and these kids would come up and say, hey, would you like to have a free toy from Santa Claus? Oh, oh, <sighs> oh. <sighs> I saw tears. If you check Facebook, I said this. I saw tears of appreciation from parents that couldn't afford what we gave them, especially the meal. It was nice. We gave little kids toys. One little girl grabbed Ariel. You know, ah, red hair, swims in the ocean, okay, Ariel, and Little Mermaid. So she gets this doll, and she's holding it like this. And then she begins to jump with that doll. Then she begins to almost scream, and she is giggling and laughing with complete delight, folks. And because you gave to our church and we budgeted that item, the giving that you have given has already impacted our community. It does all year long. And this Lottie Moon offering impacts the world. I wanted to share that with you because sometimes, sometimes maybe your schedule doesn't allow you to come to those community 11s. But I'm telling you, yesterday, and we weren't the only place. They went to another uh, place in town it was unbelievable. The stories that we hear from these every single time that we do it. We had, we had young kids, five and four and three, and teenagers, and we had adults, and everybody got involved. I was reminded in this Christmas season about giving, and Jack already mentioned this, but if you've never listened or looked at the lyrics of the song, Drummer Boy, and he comes... He comes in, he has a drum. Okay, we're not talking the movie Drumline. He does not have a competition snare drum. He does not have any, he doesn't even have the equivalent of what it would be a Civil War drum. He has a drum, probably a piece of animal skin. He may or may not have sticks. They probably didn't have heads, and they probably were just fashion sticks. They weren't sticks that you bought at Sears because, well, Sears didn't exist then. And he comes to the baby Jesus, and he says, man, he he looks at this baby and goes, I'm a poor boy too. I don't have anything to give you. Everybody's coming with these cool gifts. I don't have anything to give. And sometimes we find ourselves in that same exact spot. We say we say, I cannot I can't give because I don't have anything. And a little boy says this, Okay, can I play for you? you? Serious? The king, by the way, in John 1, 1, this, is the same, this baby that's laying in the manger is the same one that before creation spoke creation into being. And he's laying in a manger full of hay beside cows and sheep and donkeys and whatever. And this little boy literally looks at the king of the universe and he says, can I play my drum for you? I wonder when the last time we, we got real serious with God in our life and we literally metaphorically said, Can I just play my drum for you? This is a season. Of understanding. What has been given to us. That we can give away. It's not about. Contrary to American belief. It's not about. How many presents you can stack. Literally underneath. Beside on top of. Or around your tree. What can you give? If you're a follower of Christ, you have the greatest gift in the listen, the gift that you have inside you is bigger than cancer. It's more powerful. It can conquer It can conquer anything in this world. What you have inside you is the gift of Jesus. And to, we, we just overlooked that. Oh, yeah. not important i have something else here take this here have this you have the jesus is the is the simplest and the most complex gift you could ever give to someone sharing your faith is the most important thing and when jesus asks his disciples first of all let's back up he doesn't ask them anything remember that when Jesus is talking in Matthew chapter 28, he is getting ready to ascend. Now, some of you are going, some of you theological studiers are going, well, how did he ascend? I don't know. I don't know if he had, you know, beam me up Scotty. I don't know if he had an escalator, you know, stairway to heaven. I don't know if Led Zeppelin's true. Was, the song was actually true. I don't know, okay, if he walked up some stairs. But he said he ascended, okay. But before that, he, Jesus is talking to his disciples. This is very, his inner circle of disciples, by the way. He doesn't ask them anything. Last instructions before leaving earth, okay? Last instructions. Look at your worship handout. Look at the very first blank. What are you and I responsible to do so that others can hear? If you believe and have a relationship with Jesus Christ, And you understand that this is an inerrant book and you believe that what is written down in here and recorded is from the Holy Spirit, directly from God, inspired into man to write it. And you believe that the New Testament and the Old Testament go together. And there's themes of Jesus going through the whole thing. And if you look in the New Testament and you believe in salvation and you believe in that Jesus came to this earth to be born, to die, listen, without Christmas we can't have Easter. You can't. He had to. He had to come. Can you imagine? Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God where he was always sat. He's always sat there. And he's sitting there, and God goes, It's about time. Jesus leaves perfection like we cannot describe or think. He comes all the way to heaven, or all the way from heaven to earth. The Jews were looking for royalty as in the form of the Messiah. They were looking for another King David, power, gold, occupied territory, conquer everybody in battle. They were looking for a victorious Messiah to literally annihilate everybody else on earth. That's exactly who they were looking for. And they got exactly the opposite. They got this little baby. Whose mom and dad talked to the innkeeper. And the innkeeper missed it, folks. You realize that? Yeah, he was busy. The innkeeper missed it? How about this? What about the town of Bethlehem that was sleeping? And in the midst of their sleeping, the savior of the world was born and they completely missed it. If we do not wake up, our country is going to miss it. Miss it. So this is, what, this is our job. What are you and I responsible to do so that others can hear? We have to tell other people, yes, but we have to live. Did you have an opportunity this week to share something that God has done in your life? I shared a concern. There's a person in my family that... That not in my immediate family, but a person in my family that could use your prayers and God knows what's going on, and it's not necessarily good. But I shared those, I shared those concerns with with friends of mine. And as I shared, now watch this. As I shared, they responded back because I knew that this had affected their family. They responded back. Hey, if there's anything that we can do besides this, let us know. We can put you in contact with people that can talk with you about this. See how why why do we not do this with with our faith if something bad happens we we say man or a disease or or somebody sick or something we, we we instantly reach out but we have a better medicine than robitussin in here tis the season for sinus and drainage and yippee yippee right yeah we can. We're missing a lot of people they, on Facebook like, oh, we are not going to be at church. okay, that's good, okay, we don't want you spreading your, that's not the giving we're talking about, okay. Don't give your cold to someone else, okay. But what are you and I responsible to do? Can I be honest? I had, I had, I had a list of answers for this question, and I threw them in the trash can. What are you and I responsible to do so that others can hear? If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we should do everything short of sinning to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with anybody that we see. Period. Anything short of sinning. That means being relational in our culture, that means giving away ribs and turkey. I talked to, I gave a, <laughs> I felt like I really connected with this guy. I have no idea who he is. He gets out of his car. He's got got his wife uh, there, and and they have a little little girl. He's coming up to Walmart. He's speaking my language. He's got a camouflage hat. They got out of a truck. I'm thinking, this is my guy. So I go up and I said, hey, any any chance that you're a big fan of smoking food? I just randomly came to this guy in the Walmart parking lot and asked him that question. He goes, yeah, man. I'm like, Thank you. I don't look like a dork. Okay, so I said, our church is giving away meals to show you that we love you and God loves you more than you could possibly ever know. And I said, in here are ribs. There's can. There's canned vegetables. There's rolls. And there's even a cheesecake. And there's a five pound bag of potatoes. We want you to have this, and we want you to go home and have a great meal on us free. Now, this camouflage wearing truck driving guy that's in with his wife and his daughter goes you got to be kidding me and I said no I'm serious and he took I said the only thing is we're just going to ask you to take it back to your vehicle because we don't want you to take it in to the store because it's already paid for okay and he goes back and in between the time that I talked to him he went back to the truck and he came back to me something inside him changed and he came up to me by himself guys prideful. We are. And he comes up to me and goes, I appreciate that. It's here. It's not about emotion. We don't do this to, 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 to put people and submit them into having emotion, but it meant something. Anything short of sinning to spread the gospel so other people can hear. Being relational. Here's the newsflash. People like ribs. People like ham. People like steak. People like pork loin. People like vegetables. People like rolls. And a whole bunch of people, no matter if you like meat or not, you like cheesecake. Don't you? I like dessert. Uh, Yeah. Tis the season. (laughs) For things like potato candy and chocolate pixies and peanut butter fudge and baklava. And that's just my house. What do you have? We have these things to give to other people. Let's look at Matthew 28 real quick. Let's, let's look at this. Real quick, we're going to look at 18, 19, and 20. And I want to look at how many questions Jesus asks. Because we're, we're in charge of, of sharing the gospel. Now look at this, verse 18. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth, period. It's a period in scripture. When he says this, I think he probably said it more in the tone of exclamation point. I have been given. They knew this. Okay? This, was, this was old hat to them. They had seen Jesus control nature. They had seen Jesus raise people from the dead. They had seen Jesus make blind people see and lame people walk. They knew he had complete authority. Yet, he came from a lofty position to serve. That is what he's telling me. He said, listen, you should copy everything that I do. Jesus had the most right to be the most powerful leader ever. Yet he chose to be the best and most humble servant. That's how he gave. So in verse 19 he says, therefore go and make disciples of all the nations. They knew exactly what he was talking about. Why? Because Jesus had made them disciples. He said basically you just take the same process and you just keep copying it. And go. There are verbs here. Jesus doesn't ask Look look in this verse, he says, go and make, disciple of all nations, another verb, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. Now, what that means is, Jesus is making no bones about this. He says, I want you to go, I want you to, he's sentencing them, literally, he is sentencing them, if they follow him, they're going to die for him. This is all I want. Listen, Jesus said, this is what I want you to do, period. There's no talk about work. There's no talking about going home. He says, basically, I just want you to go talk to anybody and everybody that you can going to all four corners of the earth. You realize that we still haven't reached all of those people. That's the importance of when we give to for missions, they're going I have, a, I have a professor, Dr. Hathaway, from Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, and Dr. Hathaway and me and my dad had I had we had the absolute privilege to have breakfast with this guy. Unassuming guy comes in, just comes in. He sits down. He has eggs and sausage and just like everybody else, and he's eating. And I I sit down. I said, "Is this, is this, is this, is this seat taken?" He goes, no. I said, can I sit here and my dad right here? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm like, oh, dad, sit down. And I'm sitting there and I'm eating all nice and, you know, unlike your house. You're trying to eat, actually, correct? And I was trying to eat. And I said, "Uh, Dr. Hathaway, this uh, this is my dad, Steve. Oh, hi, Steve. Great to meet you. My dad goes, What do you teach? And I went, Uh oh. <laughs> he said, I teach missiology. He said, I teach missiology at this university, at this seminary, and I've had the fortune, uh, the, the blessing to, to teach this for, for over 25 years. And he goes, But my passion is mission inaction I like to go and my dad said well where's your your favorite place to go he said absolutely bar none one billion percent the unreached people groups of northern Africa if you know about these people they're in constant war cartel is everywhere drugs are huge guns are everywhere and this is his favorite place to go He was on the mission field. He he told my dad, he said, I gave my, my entire life to go to the mission field. And me and my wife served for six or seven years in Africa. And we helped plant churches in dangerous, dangerous places. He attended what things are literally called secret church. That no one else could know that they were doing it or they would die. All because Jesus said so. I'm eating breakfast with this guy. I feel like it's an honor to even be by him, let alone shake his hand, high five him or say, have him say congratulations on graduating. And I'm sitting by this guy. He talks to my dad and he says, we were on the field for six or seven years and we had a baby girl. And it was a blessing and what we thought at the time was a curse. He said, we have a girl. She's 13 years old now. She's never spoken a word in her entire life. And she couldn't get the care in Africa that she could get here. So we had to get up, we had to uproot ourselves from giving our lives to Africa and missions, and we moved back here. And I fought God for a long time. This is over breakfast. This is sharing God's vision in your life. And he looks at my dad and he said, For a couple years, I really blamed God, and I really did not have a good relationship with him. Dad said, How did you get over it? He goes, my daughter is 13 years old. She receives the best care that we can get her in the United States right now. And I realized that if I taught at the seminary, I could go over to Africa. That would be great. But he says, what I do is I teach many, many, many men and women that go impact our entire world. Now, see, That's that's... That that's a stepping down of what he envisioned as his life goal. And he says, now I just teach hundreds of them to go. My dad asked this question. He said, well, over your time that you can go now and, you, and you've been over there, he said, he said, you started some churches. And he said, yes, sir, we've started some churches. And then my dad asked the question that, that even the, the most humble of people would have hard time answering. Dad goes, do you, do you have any idea how many churches that you've started? And Doctor Hadaway keeps eating, and I'm like, Doctor Hadaway, He me ask you a question. And he just keeps eating. He said, He said, I'm going to tell you, just so that you can pray individually for those, for that number of churches that I know exist right now. You ready? Two hundred and eight. He gave his entire life to teach to give to sow he did not he looked at Matthew 28 and he looked at it just like I, my calling right now is not to spend the rest of my life in another country it's right here we have a we have a mission field that's great we saw that yesterday and Jesus is not asking he's saying no i want you to give so that other people can hear financially out of your time teaching we have different jobs in our church right now that we could, that we could use help with. We have, we have, man, you can clean the sanctuary. I know some of you are like, man, I woke up this morning said, man, I want to clean it. I get it. Clean the bathrooms. Yes. I cleaned the bathrooms in my house yesterday. Bathroom. Keep praying for that. I have two girls. Yeah. Um. We have, we, we have all kinds of security. We have popcorn poppers, first impression. We have all kinds of needs. But see, what we do is we get comfortable. I ah, don't know. I just come into. church. Jesus is not asking his disciples to be takers, by the way. He says, you're going to be doers. You're going to be teachers. You're going to be doers. You're, gonna, you're going to give everything you have to share with the world who I am. Look at verse 20. He says this. Teach these new disciples. Okay. He says, basically, copy what I did with you. You think about these disciples. Now, they've had three and a half years to grow with Christ, okay? So they, they were these poor fishermen, nobody dudes, ordinary guys. Now, the three and a half years later, and, and you, know what, you know what they think? They, actually, they really think that they're, yeah. And he says, okay, I want you to copy the process. Can you imagine what it would have went through Peter's head? Go, man, I don't want to talk to myself three and a half years ago. You remember this? If you're a follower of Christ, has God changed you like this? See, he goes on. He says, He says, Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this. You had a hard week. You had a hard month. I didn't have a very good day the other day with this news. I'm just, I'm asking God to perform a miracle and I'm a member of my family. And I'm asking him to take this away. And I'm asking if he won't, then help me deal with this. Says, but I was reminded about this. I don't feel like everybody's around me, God. I don't feel like anybody likes me. I don't. He says, no, no, no. I don't care what anybody else says. Remember what I told you. And some of you need to remember that. We think, man, my boss is mad at me. Or this, is, this isn't going right. Or they're, they're upset with me. They're upset with me. Or, okay, fine. I feel alone. You're not alone. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Look at your worship handout. Look at this. The Great Commission, what this, these three verses, it's not an option for us, it's a necessity. Let me ask you a question this way. Does it bother you? We talk about unreached people groups, unreached. An unreached people group is defined as this. Are you ready? Let's say you take a certain tribe of people, or American, whatever it is. You take a, You take a certain... Look, you you narrow that scope down to a certain group of people. And an unreached people group consists of less than 2%. Less than 2% of that people group are Christians. They're all over the world. There's thousands of them that have not been reached yet. Jesus did not ask. He didn't say, hey, guys, if you have some time. How many people have ever read that in Matthew 28? Hey guys, if you have some time, could you share about me? He doesn't give us, he doesn't ask us that question. He tells his disciples that through scripture he's telling us, he says, you have no option. If you don't do it, you're not doing what I'm asking you to do. This is important. It's not an option for us. It's a necessity. This is I, I really like this word. If you if you if you want to take some notes on the side, I just want to, I want to show you something. The, the word commission. We, we talk about the great commission. The word commission. C O M I S S I O N. Okay. Missio Dei or dei. Missio dei is a Latin term that means the mission of God. Okay. Now. I want you. I want to ask you a question. How. How honored do you feel that God used, or Jesus right here, this is called the Great Commission. How honored do you feel, maybe you don't know this yet, how honored do you feel that that commission is offered to you and me? Now, I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay. Missio Dei is mission of God. So God has a mission. Right? God has a mission for everyone to hear. That's why he sent Jesus. Co- Means you and I get to go along on that mission. Do you get this? You, we, we, we don't have. You don't have to. You get to. And some of us go. No I'm good. It's not been, I've, I've been part of churches that literally said. You know what we don't want to do anything. Here take 20 bucks and have somebody else go. That is not. That is not what Jesus said. He said go. Wherever you are go. Wherever you are. We actually get to be on mission with God. Look at your Bibles on our on screen at Romans chapter 10. Paul is writing here in chapter 10 of, of, of Romans. If you're a fan of Romans chapter 10, uh, this, is, this is probably going to contain one of your favorite verses uh, of this chapter. But it says here, it says, for Moses writes that the law's way of making a person right with God requires obedience to all his commands. I love this. If you've been in our connect groups, we talked about the 600 plus rules that the Jewish people have had in the Old Testament. Good luck, right? Our last week's study was in... Now, if you have not come to a connect group and, and, and you, you hear this book of the Bible out of my mouth, and you think, well, oh, I've tried to read that before and it's just tea dry, I can't do it. Leviticus. <gasps> right? Leviticus, um, Dr. Hadaway literally quoted in in one of our classrooms. He said, Listen, guys, we're going to study about the missiology of of this certain term, and and it goes back all the way to the law and it flows all the way to the New Testament. I'm going, Okay. And then he goes, First week in Leviticus. And I'm going, Oh. Have you ever ever tried to read Leviticus? Dr. Hadaway is quoted to say this Leviticus is the book of the Bible where reading your Bible through in a year goals go to die. Well, we have to wear this and we have to listen. We were in three or four different chapters of Leviticus. And all it talked about was peace offerings and flower offerings and bowl offerings and sparrow offerings and pigeon offerings and blood, and blood, 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 blood. blood. Dr. Hadaway asked us after class, he said, what are you thankful about Leviticus that, that, that's different today than it was from the time of Leviticus? I, th- I said, I can wear flip flops and jeans to church <laughs> and we don't have seventeen hundred dead animals burning anywhere. 1,700 animals on a high holy day, probably in Jerusalem before noon. Blood would have been everywhere. Now, why, why, does, it, why does he say that? Why does he why talk about this? Because we're talking about anybody that can obey all of God's commands. It's zero people. Zero ever. Except Christ. Zero. In verse 6, he says, But face way of getting right with God says, Don't say it in your heart, who will go up to heaven. See, Paul, Paul knew that the only way a person could uphold the law of God, the only way a person could be perfect, is to ask God to make them that way. They cannot do it on their own. They have to have Jesus. And we talked about, in Leviticus, over our connect groups, that, that all of this blood was necessary. The Bible says that without the shedding of blood, there's no remission or forgiveness of sin. There has to be a sacrifice. Genesis chapter 3. Adam and Eve get kicked out of the garden. There are sacrifices of animals. They're clothed with their skins. It's happening from the beginning and it happens all the way to the end. But in the New Testament, Jesus comes and he's the lamb. We, talk, man, we talked about how solid the Bible is. You know, It talks about in Leviticus that the, the dad would put the hand on the head of the sacrifice. Transferring all the sins of his family onto that animal. And today, we do the same thing metaphorically in our faith. And we say, God, thank you for paying for my sin. Do you you understand how honored you are and how blessed you are to even begin to be able to pray and ask for that to happen? Don't say in your heart who will go up to heaven. Man, I want to decide. No, you can't decide. What Jesus did was necessary in your relationship in order to inherit heaven has to be him. Look at verse 7. And don't say, this is Paul again, who will go down to the place of the dead to bring Christ back to life again? In fact, it says, the message is very close at hand. It's on your lips and in your heart, and that message is the very message about your faith, about faith that we preach. Paul is reminding these people right here of the message of Jesus. Paul's saying, listen, Jesus was right here. He showed you what to do, and now he's not asking you to go tell people. He's commanding you to go tell people. If no one. If those three wouldn't have went back to the other nine disciples. And those 12 disciples wouldn't have went out to other places. And they wouldn't have. They would have not encouraged Paul to do this. And they would have no missionaries gone around. Do you understand that we are not in a good spot? You and I right here right now. If no one made disciples you and I are in desperate trouble. Huge trouble. Because we don't know. We're, we would be an unreached people group. Message is very close in hand. Many of us have had intimate, personal, unbelievable, unexplainable things that God has done in our life. And we can't. We can't bring ourselves to share with other people. He didn't ask us to. He says do it. And Paul is reminding these people. That Jesus was right here. You saw these. You saw these things happen. Look at verse 9. If you openly. Here you go. Many of you may have memorized this. In a different translation. I did. Says, If you openly. Declare that Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart. That God raised him from the dead. You'll be saved. What's going on here? Paul is trying to make. More disciples. He's sharing the gospel. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The church word meaning to start a relationship with Jesus Christ. To accept Jesus' payment for your sin. You realize? Just just look at yourself. I'm not I'm not worried about you looking at your kids. I'm not worried about you looking at your spouse, your mom and dad, grandparents. You look at you and let me ask you this question. Just how good of a person are you? It's not easy, is it? Because you remember things that maybe nobody else knows. I remember when I did that. Yeah, I do. And maybe after that, or maybe before that, but you can go back to God and you can ask for repentance or maybe God came into your life and he saved you after this and you can go back and say, man, look how different I am. If I ask some of you, how different are you 10 years ago? You'd go, you don't have enough time. Wouldn't you? And some of us, have maybe, maybe we were raised in church and we've had a, a relationship with Christ for a long time. Chances are this. Chances are... There's some time in your adult life that you kind of did. uh," No, no, nobody rode that roller coaster. Maybe some of you walked by that ride. Good for you. Good for you. But Paul is saying right here, you have to understand how to inherit this salvation. Look at verse 10. For it is by believing in your heart. I love this. That you are made right with God. We we have to go back to this. I have to go back. Somebody say, man, you preach eight weeks, nine weeks, and you keep going back to when you got saved, or when you got this, or what are we going to give? How can you not? The gospel points. The gospel screams this. Paul is saying, listen, it's by believing in your heart that you're made right with God. Think how bad of a person you are. And even being that way, God has forgiven you. He's used Jesus as your payment. You've accepted it. You step into a new person and you say, I can literally stand in the right understanding and presence to be put right back into place. And to have a relationship with God even though, Matt, you don't know me. Right? Right? You don't know me. Do you know how? Man. Man. This should make this should make you this should make you run laps around your house in the morning. And I know some of you, are like, it's too cold. Okay, fine. Run inside. Literally when you wake up Have you ever woke up like this? God, I want to thank you because I am not going to receive what I should. Come on. We have something to share. I was outside yesterday it's cold. It's cold. There were, there were kids standing beside me. I mean, hood pulled, like you could see this much of their face, like part of their nose, each part of their eye. They made one eye look weird. No, I'm just kidding. So they, they're like this and they're, they're going. I said, Do you want to go inside? Mm-mm. I said, Okay. What do you want? I said, Do you want to help give some stuff away? Mm-hmm. Okay. You're going to have to talk because people can't hear you. And they they would go with their parents and they were, they got out of their comfort zone. People, how many of you voluntarily, other than at the community level, just went outside yesterday and said, you know what, I'm going to just stand here just for a little while, just until I get uncomfortable. These youth were uncomfortable yesterday giving because they understand that God gave and changed them and they want to be a part of that. That is huge that 's the great commission that 's what Jesus is talking about and he says and it 's by openly declaring your faith that you are saved and it 's also how you share that faith with someone else Now, the big deal about Paul talking with these people is the next blank on your worship handout look at this: salvation is for everyone i could I could go i could we could talk and I could go around some some of you and you and that maybe the first time somebody talked to you about Jesus. Maybe you said this. There is no way. There is no way. That Jesus would forgive me for the things that I've done. Maybe you said that. There's no way. There's no way. I've broken too many rules. I've done too much stuff. The fact that Paul was talking. To non-Jewish people here. And he was saying listen to me. You have an opportunity to get saved, to inherit a right standing relationship with God. Do you know how many people of those that he talked to had grown up an entire life thinking there was absolutely no hope? And Paul was given this brand new say, listen, there is hope. There's a hope. There's a hope. and his name is Jesus. About this. Ask yourself this question. We're talking, about, we're talking about what can what can we give so others so others can hear? You know, we talk about foreign missions, we talk about different things that are all over the world, but the thing is, tomorrow, some of you tonight, whatever your schedule is, you're gonna go to work. Now, answer this question. What message do you preach at work at, at work? What message do you preach at work? I'd rather not talk about work because they just get my blood pressure too high. Okay, get it. I have worked there. (laughs) I promise. But what? When something happens, what do people see you do? Do they see you react? Would someone want to follow Jesus by looking at how you act? I get it. I get it. We have our days, don't we? But Paul is asking these people, listen, you should want to share this powerful, you know, do you realize that you guys living your lives for Jesus in your workplace is a louder sermon than anybody could ever preach from a pulpit? The people that you come in contact with are not here. 75% of people that live in the state don't have a relationship with Christ. So the chances are you work besides people. Probably at least one that doesn't know Jesus. You have a they're not here. You're gonna your life is gonna preach much louder of a sermon to them than I can or another preacher can. Look at verse eleven. Look at this. He says this. As the scripture tells us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Yes. John ten twenty eight. We're kept We're held. When we we plead the blood of Christ, we are kept and we are held. You ever have a bad day? Or have you ever gone through a season in life going, man. I've really messed up. Listen. Scripture tells. Scripture. I love this. When Jesus battled temptation with the devil when he was tempted by Satan... Every single time Satan said something to him, Jesus responds with his opinion? No. He responds with direct, quoted scripture. Why is scripture so important? Because it should be the ammo on your belt of how you live and defend yourself from all the things that happen during the day. It is. Anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Look at verse 12. This is some of the greatest news these people have ever heard in their entire life from Paul right here. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. What do you mean? Well, what do you mean? Jew and Gentile were not put in the same sentence. Jews were considered here. Gentiles were here. Anybody that wasn't Jewish, probably all of us, unless you're 100% Jewish descent. Jewish people were here. Everybody else was here. If you were not a Jew, you had zero hope. None, none, none. Paul comes to these people and he says, listen, listen. You can have a relationship with God. Do you realize that people in our community right now literally need to hear you can have a relationship with God? They've been tossed around by this world their whole entire life. No one has probably loved or cared for them. And you can literally go to them and say, listen, you and I are the same. Oh, no, you're not. Watch this. They'll say this. No, you're not. You go to church. Holy cow. Really? No, that's a real stereotype. People think... Oh you don't do that because you're a pastor You're nuts You don't get upset in traffic because you're a pastor You're crazy You, you, you You probably love getting stopped by trains Because you're a pastor, yeah No You're a pastor I bet bet you're the one that Just smiles and whistles when you go in And pays your income tax, don't you No (laughs) No we're all affected. We're all the same. But the world says, no, 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 no. Church people have been put on a pedestal and they're better than us. Do you realize that the number one cause of atheism is this? Who people, the people that acknowledge Jesus Christ with their lips. If you're a DC Talk fan, this will, this, will ring, this will ring clear. The people that acknowledge Jesus with their lips. And they walk out the church doors and they deny him by their lifestyle is the number one cause of atheism in the world. Because do you know why? People look at Christians and they say, I don't want to be anything like them. They say one thing and do the other. This is one of the first churches I've ever been to that says, yes, we do. Whoa! You have the guts to say that? Yeah, I don't. I'm not perfect. I'm just a beggar that found bread trying to help other beggars find that bread. That's what it is. It's, it, this, it, it's, a, it's a traveling journey. And he says, they have the same Lord. Look, at Paul is grabbing these people and he's saying, listen, he's giving worth to these Gentile people who have never even heard of this word, worth. You have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. Two, three verses before that, he says, listen, Gentile people, for the first time maybe, you can call on Jesus' name and be saved. They'd never had hope. He never had it. People that you work with literally think that they have no hope. As long as they have breath and a mind to make a decision, they have utmost hope. They have the option. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Look at verse 14. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? The question asked to us is, What can we do to show them? But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? Who's there to show them who he is? Are you? Am I? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? How can you explain the color blue to somebody that has no idea what blue looks like? listen to this it's it's blue. The, the, my, the guy that I take some of my animals to that he's my taxidermist. I shot a I shot a speckle belly goose and they're they're orange and they have orange beaks and they have beautiful, beautiful orange feet and they have speckles all over their over their chest, which is where they get their name. They're brown and green or brown and orange and white and just beautiful. And I went to pick it up and I said, Jason, you have outdone yourself, dude. This is Phenomenal. And he says this. You ready? It's not bad for a guy that's colorblind. What? How in the world did you paint that? I said, what color is his beak? It's orange, but I can't see it. What? I said, how do you do this? Literally. His wife comes down. It's almost a paint-by-number thing. Really? She says, fade this, fade that. I can't tell him what red looks like. It's Christmas. I can't tell him what red... I said, I don't, it's, it's not black, (laughs) it's not gray, it's red, you know, rojo, (laughs) red, (laughs) Santa Claus suit, he has no idea, but look at this, how can people ever hear about him, something they don't know about, if we won't open our mouths? We have such an opportunity to give to other people. You realize that you could, you, could, you could literally have the blessing of knowing that because God used you and you said you'd be used, you could be the physical and eternal difference of somebody spending eternity beside you. Are you this is awesome. We get to. And some of you are going, how much coffee have you had? Half a cup. And it wasn't a 64 ounce cup. Just just so people know. Listen. This this should get exciting. If this doesn't excite you. If this does not in your heart stir something. And you get, get empowered about sharing about your faith. Can I challenge you to see how wet your spiritual wood is? It's damp. You can't start a fire with wet wood. What do people see at work? Oh, thank you, God. I'm such a, I'm so blessed. We walk around like we're Eeyore. We do. You should be Tigger. I'm just telling you. It's not because I like him better. You should be. Listen, do you know how many more people are attracted to buying Tigger dolls than Eeyore? I haven't done the study. I didn't Google it. I have no idea. But I'm probably going to guess that people want Tigger. Why? Because he bounces, right? He bounces. Cool. What does Eeyore do? Oh, yay. There's no choice. Listen, and how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Will you? will you? Will you? Will you? Will you? Will you join with our people in our church? With me? With people that are Bible-believing Christians in our community? And they're at work? Will Do you have any idea what God could start here? I told my dad in 2007... By the way, my dad showed me a picture the other day. December seventh, it was a year, it was a couple days ago. December seventh, two thousand and seven. I was <laughs> I had a guitar in my and it was a Sunday morning at Connection. And I was on the you know the side stage, a little bitty cubby hole thing. I thought, man, what has God done in the last 10 years? We have people. We have, more, we have more people to do this. We have people to do this. We have this and this. What is God doing? Listen, some of us have opened our mouths about what God. And when you do that, you become attractive. And when you have a group of people together as a church to do that, you become magnetic. The word of God is completely magnetic. It will draw you in. It will. Look at the last verse on the screen. Look at verse 15. He says this. And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? I'm not called to Africa. I'm called to Mount Vernon. Where are you called? Maybe you're called to Walgreens. Maybe you're called to Continental Tire. Maybe you're called to wherever you work. You are called to where you work, by the way. How will I I go without being sent? We don't understand what God's wanting us to do. That is why the scriptures say how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. You realize that your feet are called beautiful regardless of what you think they look like. Because you're bringing the message of good news. How blessed are the feet, the messengers that are bringing this good news to people that are living in the dark. Look at the last blank on your worship handout. We're getting ready to be done. Look at this. Are you using your feet? What are you doing with this gift that God has given you? The kids in the back know that you don't take the light and put it under a bushel, put it under a basket. You don't hide it. God says the things that I've done for you should be put on top of a hill with a beacon shining out. Because that beacon is where people know that they can come and receive help and they can come and receive hope how are we giving to other people how are we giving so others can hear this week this season let's give purposely not money give your time give a compliment give encouragement do something around the people that you work with that you are in contact with your family and show them How your life has been changed. By that gift that you've received. Let's pray. God thank you so much. For this opportunity to come here this morning. God as we. Study what Paul was saying. And we study what. What you want us to give to other people. Sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's. Most of the time God. It's just not convenient. And we take a path that's of least resistance away from that. God, will you challenge us, please? As we live and work in this community in Mount Vernon, God, there's a lot of people here that do not know about you. And they don't know what it's like to be in a relationship with you, God. So you, could you could you put those people, please? Could you put those people in our paths? And would you give us the strength to open our mouth about who you are and what you've done in our lives? God, I pray that we see people come to an understanding of who God is. and What he can do in their lives. Help us to give, God. Unselfishly. In your name we pray. Amen.